Welcome to episode 31 of the Get More Sports Podcast. My name is Doug McCain. Thanks for rocking with us once again. On today's episode, we're talking Major League Baseball. We are closing in on that July 31st hard trade deadline. First time for Major League Baseball. So we're going to be talking lots of Major League Baseball. The Messi Mets, the hashtag LOL Mets, are back at it again, adding Marcus Stroman, trading away two top pitching prospects. So we're going to take a look and try to figure out what exactly the Mets are going for because had a lot of people in the baseball world really scratching their heads as to what their approach is with their their GM, Brody Van Wagenen, because really, it's really very questionable the moves they're making. We're going to talk some Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer, he threw a little tantrum yesterday, throwing the ball over the outfield fence. We'll get into that. Talk some NBA. Jeremy Lin thinks that uh, the NBA has given up on him. And then we're going to close the show with a little Aaron Rodgers. Some people out there, namely Bucky Brooks, is saying that Aaron Rodgers is overrated. And I'm going to tell you why that is a ridiculous take by Bucky Brooks. But thanks for rocking with us once again. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. All info related to the show you'll find right over there. But we are going to start things off with that trade yesterday. So with this trade deadline looming, with this trade deadline looming, really, it's new for everyone. It's new for baseball fans. It's new for GMs. It's new for players. And now the dominoes are starting to fall. And Marcus Stroman, he gets traded away from the from the Blue Jays, from the Toronto Blue Jays. And he is going to be joining the New York Mets. Now, word got out, word got out that, that the Mets – despite really not looking anywhere near contenders, despite a team that's far and away behind the Braves, not really in the mix for the wild card hunt, they are going to, quote, retool instead of rebuild. And Brody Van Wagenen, this guy, a former agent, turned GM, and the Mets, look, this is a team, this is an organization that prides themselves on being innovators, prides themselves on being different. But look, the the Mets are have been a gimmick since the franchise started. Yes, they had some really good years. Yes, they won the World Series. Yes, they have a lot of franchises would take the Mets history, but they have been a gimmick. Just listen to the Mets theme song. And really, to me, that tells you a lot about this organization Play the clip of the Mets theme song. It'll get you in the mood to hear about your New York Mets, the hashtag LOL Mets. Check this out. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies. Bring your wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the Mets are really sucking the ball. Knocking those home runs over. So from doing things like trading Nolan Ryan to trading Tom Seaver to the Tom Glavin implosion to the Luis Castillo drop pop-up to everything, the the Bobby Bonilla deal to the Carlos Beltran when he looked at strike three, if you remember that, in game seven of the NLCS, the Mets are a team they have just been plagued with fail after fail, Kenny Rogers walking the the winning run. 
And it's just it's just really funny. It's just to me it's it's another example. I mean, this is the same franchise that trade away Nolan Ryan. They trade away Seaver. And we're gonna look at some of the the issues with the the New York Mets. One of them, you remember, they actually signed Garth Brooks. They signed Garth Brooks. They signed Tim Tebow. Garth Brooks, by the way, he went 0 for 17 in his career with the New York Mets. And Garth Brooks has a song called If Tomorrow Never Comes. And really, to me, that's the story of the New York Mets. They're always playing for tomorrow. They always think that tomorrow is going to be a bigger, brighter day, that it's going to turn around. But tomorrow never comes for the New York Mets because they remain in ineptitude. They remain making moves that are just very bizarre. This is the same franchise. They hired Jesse Owens as their running coach. This is the same guy, the same franchise where... They've only had one no-hitter in their history, right? They've had one no-hitter in their history with Johan Santana, right? And one of the reasons, apparently, one of the reasons why they made the move for Stroman yesterday was because Stroman is from Long Island, where a lot of the Mets' ownership hails from. And then also, Stroman was in attendance for Johan Santana's only no-hitter in franchise history. And apparently, that was something that makes the move. Also, they had a press conference where Mike Piazza had to declare he was straight. They've just done so many bizarre things with this New York Mets organization. Also, here's the fact of the day about the New York Mets, right? Organizations, when they're run well top to bottom, when you have everything buttoned up top to bottom, usually you see that in every aspect, in every component of the organization. And here's a fun fact about the New York Mets. Here's our get more sports fact of the day. The Wall Street Journal, they partnered with the proofreading service Grammarlin in spring of 2015 to analyze the spelling and punctuation skills of every single sports league fan base, right? And every fan sports league franchise. And this includes all of their game notes, all their media guides, all their publications. And they found that the Mets official MLB page, the Mets official MLB page, they found an average of 13.9 mistakes for every 100 words typed, the worst in the game, the worst in all of sports. So, Look, by contrast, Los Angeles Dodgers, they had 1.2 mistakes. So that should tell you the difference between organizations and teams and front offices. I mean, you had games like Keith Hernandez smoking a cigarette in the dugout. It's just all kinds of issues with the New York Mets. And breaking down this trade, so we're going to get into this trade, but I just want to say one thing about the New York Mets. To me, the New York Mets right now are what the Clippers used to be under Donald Sterling. The Clippers, you're in a big market. You're in the shadow of the Los Angeles Lakers. The Mets, big market in the shadow of the New York Yankees. But what's the commonality there? They don't spend like a big market. They don't carry themselves like a big market first-class organization. And yesterday was really another example of they have no idea what they're doing. Because, look, I have news for you, New York Mets. You're not competing this year. You're not competing next year, and you're really about four or five players away from being a contender at some point. So the best thing to do is to completely retool, and no, completely rebuild, and just ditch this whole retool mentality that Brody Van Wagenen has brought to the Mets because that is not going to get it done. You need to load up with prospects, and I think one thing the New York Mets should have really considered doing was trading away Jacob DeGrom last year. They should have really traded away Jacob DeGrom with all of his 
at the height of his career, winning a Cy Young at the peak of his powers and really start replenishing a farm system and start building a core for the future. But they didn't do that. They held on to the Grom. They gave him that big deal. Maybe they'll, I mean, eventually you have to believe they'll move him at some point. But in the nine months since Brody Van Wagener took over, they've given up three first-round selections and a second-round selection. Yesterday, the trade included their top p- pitching prospects and Anthony Kay and Simeon Woods Richardson. And look, if they trade Syndergaard and they get some pitching prospects back in that deal, I understand that would make a little more sense. But really, the best case scenario would be to try to be, get the best out of Syndergaard. And they've really sold. They've sold off 2000. You know, they really should have just sold off in 2018. Trade Degrom, gotten a big haul, start to build that capital for future moves, start developing that farm system. And another thing about this Stroman deal that I that you gotta love. I just love anytime your organization is using where your players from, and the the fact that he's from Long Island, the fact that he was there for. Johan Santana's no-hitter, the fact that that's even a deal-breaker shows you where they're at in 2019 as far as player acquisition skills go and player acquisition savvy. And the one thing, too, the New York Mets, they have the worst ground ball infield in Major League Baseball. Lots of errors, lots of inconsistency, and Stroman is a ground ball pitching machine. So you're adding... You're adding oil and water right there, right? Oil and water. That's not going to work out if you're not going to shore up that defense. So, to me, you're going to gut a minor league team, a minor league system for a Stroman. And I understand. Look, maybe they're just being. Maybe they are trying to do a little gamesmanship. You know, they're always inferior to the New York Yankees, and the New York Yankees had been reportedly interested in Stroman, but they make that deal. It just really makes you wonder where this organization is going. I mean, this club is at John uh, Joel Sherman. He wrote in the New York Post last week. The Mets have to be wondering if a club such as the Astros knows what they don't. Because the Astros are currently in it for Noah Syndergaard, but now they are losing leverage by the day. He also goes on to write, notably how to evoke the best and health production from Syndergaard. It's not just that the entire MLB trade market is waiting for the Mets to move Syndergaard. It's that they're waiting for the Mets to sort out impacted organizational issues and ownership-specific neuroses that have endured for a generation. It's less a hijacking than being in an escape room with a bunch of ultra-confident dopes. They've been arguing for hours. That's from the New York Post, the uh, uh, the New York Post, Joel Sherman wrote that. And it just shows you where they are. They have no clue what they're doing as an organization. And you got to feel for Mets fans. But look, it's not uncharacteristic of the Mets. It was a weird move. It was a bad move. So, of course, it's a Mets move. And we're going to see what happens with Noah Syndergaard. Another thing, too, I mean, this is just a backwards organization. If you look at it, they're one of the very few teams that uses a Sunday lineup. And if you're not familiar with the Sunday lineup, baseball fans, 
Back in the day, Saturdays, a lot of teams would have doubleheaders. Also, after those doubleheaders, you got young baseball players in new cities. They're going to party it up. They're going to they're gonna do what they do as Major League Baseball players. So Sundays, you would sit guys, you would rest guys, and the Mets still incorporate that philosophy to this day. And their record on Sundays, 6 in 17. 6 and 17. By contrast, who has the best record on Sundays? It's the Los Angeles Dodgers currently sitting at 20 and 8. So, look, you got to treat every game like it's important. And the New York Mets, they're stuck in the past. I mean, Keith Hernandez smoking cigarettes in the dugout thinks that this is an outdated strategy. Sunday lineups old-fashioned moves, not incorporating analytics like you should. And it reminded me of the episode of Seinfeld where Seinfeld goes into the subway and he's sitting across the naked guy. They start talking about the New York Mets and Jerry Seinfeld and the guy, they're talking about the Mets. And it sounds a lot like the Mets today. It sounds like the dysfunction. It sounds like their delusions of grandeur about their franchise. Check this out. No pitching. Putin's a question mark. You know, we cover from those rotator cuffs so fast. I'm not worried about their best pitching. They got pitching. They got no hitting. No hitting. They got hitting. Bonilla, Murray, they got no defense. Defense, please. They need speed. Speed? They got Coleman. They need a bullpen. Franco's no good? They got no team leaders. They got Franco. What they need is a front office. But you gotta like the chances. I love the chances. So the Mets, get it together. Find a way to make some moves that really actually help your franchise. Get that farm system right. And oh yeah, don't forget, trade Noah Syndergaard to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Next story, we're going to touch on Trevor Bauer's tantrum, the Trevor Bauer tirade where he takes a ball and it was a different kind of long toss and he throws it over the center field wall when Terry Francona came to take the ball from the Indians pitcher and he was not happy. He had just had a little meltdown against the Kansas City Royals, gave up a lot of runs and he says, nope, it's going over this wall and he's playing long toss and Terry Francona, you don't have to be a good lip reader to see what he said. He said, what the F is wrong with you? And he just stares him down like he's a little kid in the dugout. But it was an epic tirade. We're not going to forget this one. And I just hope, I know it's been reported that this may not affect his trade value. And I'm saying to myself, how does this not affect his trade value? If I'm a team, if I'm a Major League Baseball team, locker room chemistry is very important. And I would not take a flyer on Trevor Bauer. One, because he's proven to be a distraction, proven to be a locker room cancer at times. But also, his stuff is slightly diminished. Trevor Bauer, his stuff this year, he has not looked like that dominant workhorse pitcher that he has when he's had his best stuff. This, in 2017, he was 17-9 and with a 4.19 ERA and 32 appearances. Last year, he went 12-6 and with a 2-2-1 ERA in 28 games, including 27 starts. This year, Trevor Bauer, 9-7 and with a 3-4-9 ERA in 23 games. And 
really, I don't think he's that pitcher that he used to be that teams want him to be because, yes, at his best, he's a workhorse. He's a guy that can eat up innings, and he's got a great competitive fire, but sometimes it crosses the line to the detriment of himself and his team. And if you look at his advanced stats, according to Baseball Savant, compared to 2018, the barrel percentage for Bauer's slider is drastically gone down from 1.9% to 19% so far in 2019. Also, his fastballs and changeups, the barrel percentage has risen from 7.3% to 14.1%, and the barrel percentage on his changeup went from 0% to 10.5%. So the thing about Trevor Bauer is he needs to understand that you only get away with these antics when you're an elite player, when you're an elite pitcher, because don't kid yourself. These teams that are making these deals, they're reviewing these advanced stats, and they're saying, look, we'll take a certain amount of this. We'll take these tirades, these tantrums, all the bizarre stuff that he does. We'll take his drone chopping off his finger if he's an elite pitcher, but the stats will tell you that he's starting to decline and also, his um, the percentage of fastballs and changeups that he's thrown has increased, while the rate of his breaking balls had decreased. So he's having command issues in 2019, and his walk percentage is starting to skyrocket. It went from two point uh, went from 7.7% in 2018 to 11.7 in 2019. So control is down. Velocity is down. And look, they know teams know what they're getting in Trevor Bauer, not just from an antic standpoint, but they do also understand that his arm isn't what it used to be. So if I'm Trevor Bauer, I'm a guy that I'm trying to get on my best behavior because look, if, if you guys aren't going to trade for, you're going to be stuck in Cleveland and a team that might want to rebuild without you. And if you want to get moved, you really should be on your best behavior. But look, give him credit. First of all, let's play the clip. I'm going to play the clip for you right here. Check this out. He did before he came out. Watch this. He turns and fires it. Thankfully, he threw it against the, the board, so there was nobody in the seats there to get hit with it. But you don't, you don't do that when your manager's coming out. It's disrespectful. So Francona's going, what the heck was that? And Frog goes, my bad, Skip. I'm sorry. And he goes, go grab some pine. I'm going to see you in a little bit. And so he's in the principal's office right now, <laughs> and then let them deal with it. But the Royals, they, they, they frustrated him. They got some big hits on some of his best pitches, and so... He's got to go. And he was in Kansas City, so maybe he was trying to do his Patrick Mahomes impression because that dude's got a cannon. I mean, you had guys to, uh, wondering what was the what was the spin rate, what was the exit velocity on that. They wanted the 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 stat cast on that exit velocity. But hey, uh, I also loved how the second baseman thought it was going to come towards him. He saw his life flashed before his eyes in that situation. But Trevor Bauer, look, I know guys are saying he's a competitor. This is who he is. but And it's not a big deal. But to me, it's an extremely big deal. We've seen pitchers completely go off the rails and he's a guy that really upstairs needs to get it together. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous that he would show up and disrespect not only his manager, his teammates, but also the sport of Major League Baseball. And look, I get it. The pitchers don't have something that they can do 
when they get really upset. In baseball, you know what Bo Jackson famously did? He would crack that bat. He would take that Louisville slugger and just crack it through his thighs. If this is the baseball version of that, then so be it. But I don't think it's going to be the norm because, look, you can't be doing stuff like that. Pitchers, when they throw tantrums, it's not a good look. And that's going to bring us to our viral clip of the day, which is going to be when Rob Dibble of the Cincinnati Reds, you remember this, when he nailed him on that little on that little nubber and he throws it to him and he gets ejected. Check this out. Play the clip. Squeezes on. The bunt is down. The run scores. And Dibble throws the ball away. The sends out a second. It almost looked like Dibble was throwing the ball at the center. And Joe West has thrown Dibble out of the game. So that was great. Rob Dibble, billion-dollar arm, 10-cent mine. He did have the mental toughness to really get the most out of his career. And that just goes to show that pitching is a very mental, mental thing. And you have to have it upstairs for you to compete at a high level. And as Buster only reported, he reported an anonymous source saying, that whatever trade value that Trevor Bauer had just disappeared. So he says, whatever trade value he had just disappeared. And sadly, there are teams like the aforementioned Mets. There are silly organizations out there that might take a flyer on him, but I don't see him going to any organization that has it all together. The ones that are buttoned up, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Dodger types, you know that he will not enter a locker room like that because he's very toxic at times, and I don't think that he's worth the risk. Look, he reminds me a lot of Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown, everywhere Kevin Brown went, Kevin Brown was a disaster in the locker room. Look, his thing was he would take it out on inanimate objects, but look, this guy, he threw more tantrums than a kid at t-ball practice that wasn't able to get his way, and Kevin Brown, this guy was a disaster as far as a as a locker room guy goes. And I think that Trevor Bauer is the same way. I think he's a guy that's going to throw te- temper tantrums. This isn't the first time it's happened. He threw his batting helmet, and he just makes a big scene. But give him credit. He did handle it pretty well afterward. He was very contrite in his apology. Check out Trevor Bauer's apology right here. Uh, uh, before I take any questions, I uh, just wanted to say a couple things. First and foremost, um, I owe sincere apology to all my teammates, my coaching staff, um, the organization, and all of our fans for how I conducted myself today. Um, it was unbecoming. It was childish, unprofessional. Um, it's no place for it in the game. Happy that it didn't result in any physical injury for anybody else. Uh, I realize it put people in danger. Um, I want to be clear that my frustrations were with myself and my inability to stop the situation um, and keep my team in the game. That was not directed at any of my teammates, um, even though I know that it came off that way. Um, I love going to battle with my guys every day. And uh, today I feel like I really let them down, both personally and professionally. Um, I'm an intense competitor, and that fire is what drives me. And today it completely consumed me, took over. And uh, you know, I just wanted to say I'm sorry for, for how I behaved. Um, I'll be better about it. It won't happen again. And 
if my teammates in the organization are willing to forgive me and continue, um, you know, accepting me in the brotherhood, I look forward to getting back out there with my guys next time and um, continuing on our road and our fight for you know what we set out to do this season, which was one World Series. So. But there's no place in that. Trevor Bauer went Trevor Sauer. He had a real-life Bauer outage. Whatever you want to say, to me, the first thing that came to mind was Napoleon Dynamite, where Uncle Rico was talking about throwing the ball over the mountain and that sort of thing. But Trevor Bauer, dude, you got to get it together, man. If you want to get the most out of the rest of your career, there is no place for those antics in a sport like Major League Baseball. And next, we're going to switch to the gridiron where Bucky Brooks, the NFL.com's writer, has basically made one of the most clickbaity headlines I've seen in quite some time. He says, look, Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers is not only overrated, but not a top five quarterback right now in the NFL. Now, I hate to do what I'm about to do, but sometimes you have to do it. You hate to see it. But Bucky Brooks, I'm telling you right now, you have to update that resume, fam. You have to update that resume because you should not be writing about NFL football if you're calling Aaron Rodgers not a top five NFL quarterback in the league right now. Look, if you want to call him overrated, that's fine because I don't really know what overrated really is, okay? He's saying that he's not the most talented quarterback in the NFL. I don't really understand what overrated means because that just takes into effect the perception you have of the guy, all the moving parts of what it means to be rated or overrated, whatever. But to say he's not a top five quarterback and that he's not the most talented quarterback to me is ridiculous because you know what we do here on the Get More Sports podcast? We bring our facts to the fight and the facts tell you otherwise about Aaron Rodgers. The facts will tell you that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented and efficient quarterback that the NFL has ever seen, that his peak and the height of his career is better and dwarfs any other quarterback, and the numbers support that. Right now, Aaron Rodgers, think of your favorite quarterback right now. I'll give you a couple seconds. If you want to think Tom Brady, if you want to think Joe Montana, if you want to think Peyton Manning, do yourself a favor and look the, look at Aaron Rodgers' QB QB rating because it's superior to your favorite quarterback because his is number one all time at 103.1 Aaron Rodgers the number one QBR in the history of the NFL look and also the best TD to interception ratio you want to talk about Brett Favre those guys they're not in his class okay Aaron Rodgers has thrown 338 touchdowns compared to 80 interceptions And Tom Brady, his QBR, 97.1. So if you want to grade a guy on Super Bowls alone, I think that's the the silliest measure of greatness is how many championships you win. Because, look, that's to say that the football, that the sport of football isn't the ultimate team game. That's discounting a defense. That's discounting an offensive line. That's discounting the fact that it is not easy to get guys, to get free agents, to get marquee free agents to go to Green Bay. Yes, Lambeau Field is a spectacle. Yes, those helmets. G stands for greatness. Vince Lombardi, all that stuff. 
But guys would rather play in Miami, okay? Guys would rather play in New York. Guys would rather play in Chicago because outside of the Green Bay Packers football, there's nothing to do there. It's freezing. They don't call it the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field for nothing. So it's taking into effect all those factors. Also, it's coaching. Joe Montana had... Bill Walsh, Terry Bradshaw had Chuck Knoll, Tom Brady had Bill Bill Belichick, Aaron Rodgers had a Mike McCarthy who was definitely not a coach that's an all-time great, definitely not a Hall of Fame level coach. So, hey, and also a thing to to look at when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, another thing to consider is the fact the man has won 66% of his starts. He's won 66% of his starts despite having only played with a top 10 defense once in his career. Only one time in the career of Aaron Rodgers have the Green Bay Packers had a top 10 defense. Really, they've had a very terrible defense for a lot of those years, allowing allowing you know terrible run defense, terrible pass defense, and he's had to score a lot of points. And in the clutch, it's really affected him because to, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that has had to come back, had to have late game of heroics, only to have the defense give it up. If you remember the 2014 playoff game of the divisional round against the Seahawks comes to mind it's 22 to 19 Aaron Rodgers he heroically brings them back only to tie the game and have the defense give it up in the very next possession so look Aaron Rodgers the numbers will tell you he's going to be the first quarterback ever in the NFL in the history of football to throw his 300th touchdown before he throws his 100th interception. So look, don't tell me that he's not the best quarterback of all time because look, his TD interception ratio says it's different. His all-time best QBR says it. I mean, his QBR is 7.7 points higher than Peyton Manning, okay? And Aaron Rodgers, to me, if he had a defense, if he had more playmakers around him, who has he ever played with a top, uh, a top Hall of Fame caliber receiver? The answer is no. Tom Brady. He's had Belichick. He also had Randy Moss here. He also had the one of, if not the greatest tight end in history, in Gronkowski. Jerry Rice. He had. Joe, Joe Montana had Jerry Rice and a slew of weapons. What? Aaron Rodgers has Cobb? I mean, come on. Donald Driver? I mean, you have not given him the weapons for him to succeed. I mean, I really don't think that they're going to have a position player that they're going to have that you're going to pair him with. I mean, name a dominant running back he's had. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has done more with less than any quarterback in the NFL. And guess what? He does have a he does have a Super Bowl to show for it. He did win one Super Bowl, and that's more than Dan Marino, who I previously thought was the most talented quarterback ever. So, hey, give me one Super Bowl. One is better than none. I hear people saying he's the Clayton Kershaw of the NFL, and Clayton Kershaw's greatness does not go unnoticed. I think he's the greatest pitcher of his generation. Generation, but Clayton Kershaw, as of yet, does not have a World Series on his resume. So look, Bucky Brooks, look, you got your clicks. You did, you know, it did what you wanted to do. You got guys talking, but to say he's not a top five, to say Aaron Rodgers is not the best quarterback in the NFL, to me is absolutely blasphemous. And really, it just means you're ignorant to the facts. And I think Aaron Rodgers, he's going to use this to fuel his fire. And I look for him to have a big year for the Green Bay Packers. Of course, he probably won't listen to this, but. 
He's the guy who famously said R-E-L-A-X. And, hey, Bucky Brooks, you need to relax when it comes to the keyboard right now. Get away from it for a couple days because, really, you, you can't do what you're doing and saying those things about the great Aaron Rodgers because he's going to flash that belt. And I'm telling you, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a monster year for the Green Bay Packers. And that's what I'm thinking about Aaron Rodgers right now. And we're going to wrap the show up with Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin, if you did not see it, my man was in his feelings big time over the weekend. Man, it's hard. Life is hard. In English, there's a saying, and it says, once you hit rock bottom, the only way is up. But I, rock bottom just seems to keep getting more and more rock bottom for me. And so free agency has been tough because I feel like in, in some ways, the NBA has kind of given up on me. And uh, after the season, I had to get ready for this Asia trip. And it was the last thing I wanted to do. Because I knew for six weeks, I would have to just put on a smile. I would have to talk about a championship that I don't feel like I really earned. I have to talk about a future that I don't know if I want to have. And honestly, it's, it's just it's embarrassing and it's tough. Saying that the NBA has given up on Jeremy Lin. I just want to say Jeremy Lin... Look, man, Lynn Sanity, Lynn Sanity was a big deal. You had your moments. You played for the New York Knicks. You played for the Los Angeles Lakers. You won an NBA championship with the Toronto Raptors. His career totals, he's amassed over $65.5 million. That's how much he made in his career. Oh, also 3.1 GPA at Harvard. You got an NBA title. You got a degree from Harvard. You played for the marquee franchises. You won a Larry O.B., and you're out here crying saying the NBA has given up on you. Man, maybe the NBA gave up on you, but life did not give up on you, Jeremy Lin. I'm telling you, man, you've had it really good. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that would trade places for you. I don't need you out here crying like I'm watching a Sarah McLaughlin dog rescue commercial, watching that stuff. And look, hey, man, it's just a cruel reality. Nine years is a long time in the NBA. You only got 480 spots, and you held one down for nine years. So, Jeremy Lin, come on, my man. It's all good. You're good, my man. You've had a great run. It's been a great run. Don't be too upset. Look at that bank account. Look at that degree. I can see him going into an executive office. Why not be a big front office guy? You could do it. You got the degree. You got the, the experience. And your future is very bright. Jeremy Lin. Lin Sanity. He, he, you're, Lin, you're insane to think that you don't have it great. And uh, look, I know it's tough. The NBA, uh, when it ends, it usually ends very quickly. But you're going to be okay. But that is going to do it for episode 31 of the Get More Sports Podcast. Thanks for rocking with us once again. Hope you guys have a great Monday, great rest of your week. Got a jam-packed, jam-packed week of shows. We're going to go all in on the MLB trade deadline come Wednesday. But thanks for rocking with us. My name is Doug McCann. You can find me on Twitter at DMAC underscore LA. That's going to do it, and I'm out.